0: Assalamu alaikum. This is Yasmeen Mujahid, and you're listening to Serenity streaming live on One Legacy Radio. Alhamdulillah, we are back today. I actually uh, just got back from overseas. Alhamdulillah, I was uh, taking. a I had a trip uh, in. Uh, had a conference actually in Norway uh, last week, and Alhamdulillah, I got to uh, visit uh, Oslo and also. Um, you know, got to meet the, the community there and, and mashallah, I want to, um, you know, kind of uh, do a shout out to, to the community there, mashallah, of, of young Muslims. Uh, they put on a really amazing conference and, and you know, want to thank them for all, for all their hospitality. Uh, I got to um, also visit uh, Trumso and um, for those of you not familiar with that area, it's, uh, it's an island north. Uh, Of the mainland of Norway, and it's uh, about 2,000 kilometers uh, south of the North Pole. And uh, the goal in that was to be able to. Glimpse the northern lights and subhanallah. I've, I've seen pictures of the northern lights, and um, you know, I really wanted to be able to see them. Uh, فعل, I was not able to see the northern lights, however, um, I definitely uh, don't regret the trip um, as as the, the city itself was more beautiful than I had imagined. Alhamdulillah. So, I thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that opportunity. Um, and you know, uh, I think every time you get an opportunity to travel and meet different people. It gives you a different perspective, and and I'm thankful for that. Uh, thankful to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala for that. Uh, I think it also really uh, solidifies the reality um, of what the Prophet Sallallahu wa Wasallam spoke about when he told us to be in this life like a traveler. Uh, this is the advice that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi gives us uh, that that we should actually have this mindset uh, of 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 a traveler throughout this life. And when you actually are uh, traveling, you really feel that sense. Um, I think it's it's really when you're traveling, you you're you really are so much more aware of your utter uh, need and dependence on Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala because you're you know you're not in a familiar place, uh, you know you're you're displaced, uh, you know you you're you're moving around a lot. There, you basically are pulled away from your false senses of security you know you don't have your your home you don't have your you know you're not sleeping in your regular bed you're not eating your regular food you're with um, you're not you're not surrounded by the same people that you're used to but rather you're meeting you know new people going to new places and and sometimes that's uh you know that can be unsettling for for you know if you're uh, not having those things that you typically hold onto, but, you know, it really, really brings to mind and, and really, um, makes that, that sense a reality of, of how, um, you know you only have allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ultimately that is stable in your life everything else changes and we know that 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 is the reality of our life that everything else is changing and there's only one thing that's stable uh, no matter where you move no matter where you travel and it's it's amazing to be uh, on one side of the the globe um, one day and literally on the other side Uh, The other, you know, the next day and just to realize how easily this life changes, Um, where you are changes, who you are changes, what you feel, what you don't feel. Um, It all just changes and it changes so, so quickly. And yet throughout all of that, there's only one thing that that does not change. There's only one thing that is stable no matter where you are. uh, And that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I I, I always feel very, um, you know, grateful for that, for that glimpse into, into the reality of what it, what it really means to be a traveler. Uh, and, and this is, this is how we are a, a, and how we should be in this dunya because, um, you know, when you're moving or when you're traveling, you notice that, okay, um, things are, are, are not stable right now. So you don't really, you can't really hold on to those things around you. I mean, I, I can't become attached to my hotel room because I'm going to leave the next day. I, I can't become, um, too secure in my in my airline in my air you know my my um airplane assigned seat because i'm only going to sit there for you know maybe if it's transatlantic flight 10 hours uh, and then i'm going to get up and i'm going to leave um, and, and so when you're traveling it's really just a, a tiny metaphor of that of that reality uh, but the truth is that that's the reality of our life uh throughout this this you know this journey to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, and, and so, but we become deceived uh, by those things that seemingly remain constant, right? It seems that um, the people in my life will always be there and they'll always be constant and there'll never be changes. It seems like, well, that my body is staying the same because I don't actually see the changes every from day to day. It seems like, you know, my house is, you know, it's always going to be there. My money is always going to be there. My health, my children, my family. Um, these are these are illusions because in fact these things are all, of course, changing and um, as we know everything is returning to Allah subhanahu wa taala and Allah is the one that remains kullu everything else uh, is passing away and in fact er- actively changing uh, and and actively unstable so it is a I think a very good lesson and and the Prophet sallallahu gives us the best. Of advices and uh, and that is to be in this life like a traveler. That that's the mindset that we should take with us uh, throughout our life, throughout our existence in this world. Is is to to think about it like like this is just temporary. Uh, I'm I'm in this place and it's kind of like you know that assigned seat in the airplane. I'm going to be you know I'm assigned to this seat for a while, um, but eventually I'm going to stand up and leave and um i'm you know i'm i've been given this hotel room i've been assigned to you know room you know 301 or whatever it is that you're assigned to but i know that i'm going to check out i'm going to leave and it is the same exact concept uh without throughout throughout this life uh, and we don't know when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring us back but we ask that 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 when he does bring us back that it will be uh in the best state inshallah so we um, are opening up the lines, or, or rather the chat box today, for your questions. And uh, the first question that I want, that I received, and inshallah I hope to uh, discuss a little, uh, is from one listener who writes, assalamu alaykum. I am active in the da'wah and have been so for a while, alhamdulillah. Yet at times my spirituality and detachment from the dunya Falls, I feel less connected and feel pretty lost. What do you advise? Jazakallahu khairan. This is a really deep question, and actually, I'm extremely um, happy and grateful that someone did ask this question. Uh, and the reason is that I think that a lot of times we believe that our work for the sake of Islam. Uh, that are you know wh- whatever you want to call our activism or uh, dawah or Islamic work whatever term you want to use we sometimes um, accidentally believe or in action uh, we make it so that that work itself replaces uh, the the inner self development or the the inner work and I think it's very dangerous uh, when that happens because. In order for us to be successful in any external work that we do, whether it's da'wah uh, or it's any type of activism or any, any work that we do, even the work for, in quotations, for the sake of Allah, um, in order for that work to be successful, we have to work internally. We have to be doing the internal work. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Qur'an, for example, that Allah does not change the condition of a people until they first change what is inside themselves. So Allah is telling us in this ayah a very important equation. Uh, it's it's basically a recipe for success. And Allah is saying that the condition outside of ourselves, um, our external condition, the condition of our families, the condition of our communities, the condition of our society, will not change until we change what is inside ourselves. So, <clears throat> so so while we are working externally, um, you know we need to be very, very careful not to um, abandon the internal work because it is through the internal work that the external work becomes successful, as Allah Subhanahu wa Taala tells us in this ayah. Now, what does that mean practically? Um, it means that sometimes what happens is when when we set out to do work for the sake of Allah, again in, in quotations, and um, that. What happens is, for example, we might take on a leadership position um, in a, in an Islamic organization, or we might be on the board of a masjid, or we might be involved in dawah, or whatever it is that we're doing, or activism, a political activism, any kind of work, um, and and we and we say and we we assert that it's for the sake of Allah. But what we have to be very very careful to do is, we have to consistently pause and ask ourselves. Is this work that I'm doing, is it bringing me closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or is it taking me away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And if when we do that, so this is a question, uh, sort of a a litmus test that we have to consistently be doing, consistently be asking ourselves, is what I'm doing, is this work bringing me closer to Allah or is it taking me away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? If at that point we find that it is taking us away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then we know that we need to make a change. There's something wrong and we need to change it. And of course, it depends on the situation, um, you know, uh, asked what needs to be changed. But it is extremely important that we're conscious of this. Um, I'll, I'll give you some sort of, uh, again, some practical examples of, of how I've seen, um, you know, this, this play out. A person might be uh, very actively planning an event for, um, you know, for an Islamic organization uh, or or what have you. And in planning that event, you know, there's sleepless nights, and you know, you know how it goes, right? You're working so hard, and you know, maybe you're not sleeping. And and because you're staying up so late working on this event, you miss fajr. And maybe you're you're you know consistently missing fajr. Because you're working on this event or maybe, you know, you're not, you're, you're not able, you're not waking up for Fajr and yet you're continuing to put your effort into this work instead. Now, what, what that is, is it's a sign that there's, there's something wrong in the focus because the work itself for the sake of Allah in quotation marks, the, the activism itself is not the end in and of itself. Planning that event is not the ultimate goal um, you know, getting more people to to join your 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 organization or or um, you know fund this or that or whatever it is that you're working for that in and of itself is not the ultimate goal. That is not the end, but rather those things are means. They are vehicles that are supposed to be taking you to the ultimate end, which is the pleasure of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So then I ask you this if we're planning these events or we're doing this work and as a result of that it is actually um taking us away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for example it's it's making us miss fajr prayer or as a result of planning the event i miss fajr or as a result of 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 planning this event now i i feel um a sense of sort of like um Arrogance, or or maybe now, um, I it has it has built me. You know, maybe having this leadership position has made me now, um, you know, more kind of in need of of attention or or praise or 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 arrogance. Maybe it has it has increased me in arrogance. So in that case, uh, I'm actually harming myself. Uh, I'm actually this 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 act itself, this this work itself, is bringing me away from Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala instead of bringing me closer. And, and that what that is a sign of is that I have lost focus. I have lost focus of the ultimate end. And, and sometimes this work itself becomes the end, uh, the, the final sort of goal and result instead of it being the other way around, where it's just a means. It's supposed to be something that helps you get closer to Allah. And if it's not doing that, then you really need to pause and make a change, um, and see where it is. That you need to make that change, and Allah subhanahu wa taala. And you ask Allah to help you. Uh, it's really important that we are asking Allah to help us, and we're not pushing ourselves. You know, sometimes people, um, they'll, you know, a lot of people will come, will, will, will um, come to me, and they'll, they'll say things like, you know, I want to, um, you know, be a public speaker, or I want to be a leader in this or that, or I want to do dawah, and I want to, and, 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 you know, behind all of these, these. Um, goals are, you know, inshallah, very pure intentions and very sinc- uh, sincere intentions. But what we have to be careful about is that I'm not acting by me. I'm not saying that I'm going to do this or that as though I know what's best. But rather that we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to place me in the place, in in that work, which is best and most pleasing to him. Uh, Because sometimes what we might end up doing is trying to place ourselves and we are being pushed by our nafs rather than being pushed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's when it becomes dangerous because that's not going to bring us closer to him, but may actually get in the way of our journey to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So practically what I would say is this is is consistently and i think that's why this question is so beautiful because it it means that this person is actively looking at the condition of his or her heart and and engaging is where am i instead of just kind of getting lost in the momentum of the of the work Getting lost in the momentum of the activism without actually being conscious of our of our internal state or where we are with Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So being you know pausing, checking, am I getting this work that I'm doing? Is it bringing me closer to Allah or is it taking me away? And if it's taking you away, you need to make a change. Um, and 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 it may be that that work or that p- position is not what's best for you. And Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala knows best. And then after that, the other practical step is pray istikhara about what it is that you should do, about what position you should have, about what career you should take, about which path you should walk. These are things that we should not try to push ourselves in and direct ourselves in, but we should ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to direct us. And we have this amazing, um, you know, this, 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 this tool that Allah has given us of istikhara and and we should use it uh, especially in these things that are just so important um, such as you know what what we live our lives doing what is our career where what what position do we hold so we should ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and pray istikhara and ask him to put us in the place that's best and inshallah we we hope that um, that our work that we do never becomes the end in and of itself but rather is just a means to bring us nearer to him We have a question from one of our listeners um, about the difference between love and lust. How can we tell the difference between love and lust? Is love not allowed in Islam? Um, the, the the easiest way to tell the difference between love and lust is to ask yourself a very similar question to, to what we just spoke about um, in the case of da'wah. And subhanallah, it's that same question. Is this relationship or is this quote-unquote, love, bringing me closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or is it taking me farther away? Is this quote-unquote love competing with my love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or is it something that enables and helps me in my love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And it's really very simple like that, because we will find that this is actually a, This is a litmus test that we can use for everything in life to see if it's good for us or bad for us so we use the same litmus test in the case of our work is our work um, you know even if it's islamic work is it bringing me closer to Allah or is it taking me away and that's where you can find out okay is there something that needs to change Um, similarly with our love our quote-unquote love when you love someone um, but that love is actually uh distracting you from the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That if, if that love is actually making you disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then you know for sure that this isn't the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has designed it and this isn't the way that this 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 wouldn't be the true love. Because if it's something that's displeasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then it isn't true love. If it's something that's competing with the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then it isn't true love. And so these these are things that we can ask ourselves and really, really know, um, you know, whether this is, this is something that, um, you know, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, is one of his signs. When Allah describes the way it's supposed to be, um, you know, in the, between the spouses, the love and the mercy, Allah describes it in a sense, in a way where it is first, Allah says it's a sign. Of Allah subhanahu wa taala, and second, Allah says ilayha," uh, meaning that you dwell in tranquility. Um, one of the characteristics of true love, as Allah describes it here, is tranquility. Uh, and and yet, you'll find that lust is the exact opposite. It does it makes you anything but tranquil. <laughs> it makes you anything but tranquil. In fact, it's the opposite of tranquility. It's this this um, it's almost more like an addiction. It's, it's, um, it's some, someone who, who feels lust is more like, like a person who's addicted to a drug versus someone who feels love as it should be in the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala designed it. It should bring about peace. It should bring about, uh, this 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 tranquility, as Allah describes, and that love and that mercy. Um, so so essentially, you you look at how does it affect you. Um, you look at whether or not it's competing with uh, the love of Allah, whether or not it's making you disobey Allah subhanahu wa taala, and whether it's bringing you closer to Allah subhanahu wa taala or 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 taking you farther away. Now, one question which is a little bit more subtle, uh, which a lot of people might not notice, is when I say is this love competing with the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? It's kind of a theoretical kind of question, but there are practical ways to really understand, uh, to really see that and to really gauge it. And one of the ways is just by looking at, at how much time you spend thinking about that person versus how much time do you spend thinking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or, th- or or in dhikr or or just something related to your uh your your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or your return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and and just thinking about the amount of time and and effort and the amount of fear and hope and and um you know, sort of just basically how much space this person takes in your heart. It will give you a sense of whether or not that love is competing with the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, Those are things to gauge. And, and if you do find that this person uh, is, that that love is, is not as it should be or that it is lust, then that's when you really have to make a change. Uh, and and it, again, it depends on the situation. Sometimes we feel love that, It competes with the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for someone who is halal for us. It may be your own spouse, but the love that you have for your spouse is competing with your love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sometimes that love that's competing with the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is for your children. Again, obviously something halal to love. So it's very, very uh, subtle sometimes and it's very hard to, to notice uh, but we have to be conscious of this. We have to be careful uh, that that there is nothing that's competing with our love for Allah, and that there's nothing that that our quote unquote love for is taking us away from Allah subhanahu wa taala and His remembrance. One listener asks, "How can we prevent ourselves from getting lost in the illusion of the world when we live here and it feels so real?" and it feels as if we will never die and that exactly is that's exactly the nature of dunya is that it feels very real and it feels as though we will never die and i would say that the the easiest way to not get lost in that illusion is preventing your heart from looking at it all the time or rather keeping your heart focused on what is real uh, so so let me explain what i mean by that our um you know, the the way that we act and the way that we uh, conceive of the world has everything to do with what our heart is focused on. Um, So when our heart is only focused on dunya, so it's like a person that that's all they see. You know, I've given the example in in one of my pieces called Fall in Love with the Real Thing uh, is that you imagine a, a child who falls in love with a toy car, that that toy car is all that child knows of cars, right? And so it's like, completely just absolutely enamored by this car and just would give anything to have this car, this toy car. Now, the reason why that child is so in love with the car and and to that child, this is the realest car they have ever seen because it's all that that child has seen. It's all that child is looking at. The child just sits day and night and just stares at that car just stares at that toy car in the, in the uh, store window and just sits there and stares at it, then of course that child's entire world will be that car. And that child will think that's the realest, most beautiful, most amazing car in the world. But then I ask you this, what happens if that child sees through the store window to a real car that's parked outside the store? Now, all of a sudden, what happens to the obsession with the toy car is now it just becomes nothing. The toy car now um, becomes nothing in the, in, the, in the eyes of the child because now the child knows that there is actually a real car. And the more the child sees of the real thing, the less that the fake model, in a sense, will, will, will be or will matter to him. And this is the same with this life versus the next life. If all we see day and night is dunya, that's all we talk about, that's all we think about, that's all we strive for, it's all about What's this person wearing? What's this person saying? What's that person making? What's that per- you know? How much money does he or she have? How much money do I have? What kind of clothes am I wearing? What kind of car am I driving? What you know? Status symbols and st- you know? What is this person saying about me? What's that per- you know? That's you know? That's all that we think about and talk about. And strive for day and night, then obviously that's going to be all that fills our heart. That's going to be all that we think is real, it's going to look a lot more real because it's all we look at, it's all we see, it's all we talk about, it's all we think about, and it's all we strive for. But if we live in a different way, if we live our lives surrounding ourselves and immersing ourselves in the real thing, in the real car, in the remembrance of Allah and the hereafter, if that's what we actually actively surround ourselves with, if we immerse ourselves in that, then, all of a sudden, what is more real completely overshadows you know completely takes over um, and overpowers rather the that that lesser model right it, it will overpower the dunya and the love of dunya and the attachment to dunya and the running after dunya so what my advice to you is yes, we live in dunya and we we are involved. We are parents. We are spouses. We are. Uh, we have, you know, we we have careers. We have our money, and we have our houses, and we have all that kind of, you know, that 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 dunya, right? Um, but how do we live in dunya without making our hearts live in dunya? And the answer is that we have to fill our hearts with the real thing. We have to make our hearts see the real car. Even while our bodies are involved in this you know, lesser model, right? Our bodies have to be here. We have to, we have to be involved in these things. We can't just pull away from all of them. But our hearts, you have to make your heart be as much as possible focused on the real thing. And practically the way you do that is through the remembrance of Allah. We have to increase our dhikr. We have to increase the time that we spend reading and reflecting on the Quran. We have to increase the time and focus that we spend in our prayers. We have to surround ourselves with people who remind us of Allah and not with the people who take us away from the remembrance of Allah. This is very important. The, the company that we keep that we keep is, is extremely crucial to, to whether or not we're going to be looking at the fake model all the time, talking about the fake model all the time, thinking and striving for the fake model all the time, or whether we're going to be enlightened to, enough to see the real thing beyond the fake model. Um, and that has a lot to do with who we surround ourselves with. Um, be very careful of surrounding yourselves the the people of dunya in the sense of that that's all that's talked about that's all that's strived for that's all you know that's that's really all that matters is these material things and and the people and what are the people saying what are the people doing what are the people thinking it's all about what do people think of me right Um, that that you have to break out of that by by surrounding yourself with those people who who are not you know who are not of that of that mindset and who also bring you and remind you um of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and increase increase in your dhikr increase in your in your focus and and your um you know concentration on your prayers uh, your five daily prayers if that's something that we're abandoning then it's no it's not going to be possible uh for us to be able to focus on the real thing and not get lost in dunya. We have to make sure that when Allah tells us to pull away, right to to detach in a sense five times a day and focus on him in prayer, that he's telling us that because that's how we're going to survive this life. This is the prescription of the doctor. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the greatest doctor and Allah is telling us how to cure us and how to keep our hearts from getting drowned in this in this ocean of dunya and the way to do that is first and foremost pray when allah tells you to pray because allah is telling us How to pull away, you know, spiritually, emo, you know, internally from the dunya five times a day, at least. If you're just doing that at least, then you can't get too much involved, especially if you're praying correctly. And like, you know, the the one of the shayuk said, if you feel the same before you prayed and after you prayed, then there's something that we're not doing correctly in the prayer. We're not supposed to feel the same. The prayer is supposed to be something that that makes us, uh, that, you know, wakes up, wake, wakes our heart up. It cleans our heart. And so what we do is if, if, if we are praying and it's not making a difference or you, you, we feel like it's just motions, please, please do not abandon your prayers because your prayers, you know, even if they're not perfect, your prayers are still keeping you alive. Um, it's, you know, it's just like a person who has no other food except potato chips, um, that, that, yeah, if, yeah, it's not perfect. It's not the best food in the world, but at least it'll keep you alive. And inshallah, over time, you can work on your prayers, but never ever abandon them uh, because you feel like they're not good enough. Because at least Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can reward us for our efforts. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, to, to better our prayers and to make them a means of, of keeping focused uh, and not getting too engrossed in what is really you know, the, the illusions of this life. You know a similar and related question, um, and that is that: how do we prevent ourselves from getting lost in the world and with creation? And it's the same exact idea um, as, as you know, not getting lost in what's not in what's unreal or in the, the fake the fake model. Um, but but rather, um, you know, we just we really the more that we focus again on what's real, um, the easier it will be uh, to, to not get lost in what's not real. Um, Inshallah, we'll take a short break now, and when we return, we'll continue with your questions in the chat box. As-salamu alaykum. This is Yasmeen Mujahid, and you're listening to Serenity, streaming live on One Legacy Radio. Uh, we are continuing today with your questions uh, live on the chat box. And we have a, a question which which I think, subhanAllah, really uh, applies to all of us at one point or another. And that is a question from one listener who says, I can't seem to focus during my prayers. Sister Yasmeen, please... Any advice? Whenever I start praying, I start thinking about not important things, then I stop myself. How can I keep these thoughts off when I'm praying? So this is a really, really important question, as we know the you know our prayers are what distinguish us from non-believers. That that the Prophet ﷺ said that the first thing we're asked about on the day of judgment is our salah, and if our salah is okay and it's 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 in order, then you know everything else will. The person will have been successful, and if it is not, then the person will have failed. So our prayers are extremely important. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says that إِنَّ الصَّلَاةَ تَنْهَى عَنِ الْفَحْشَاءِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ prayer prevents or protects us from shamelessness and evil deeds so our prayers are not just our lifeline um, and our food and our air but also they are our protection they are our protection from uh, you know committing these evil deeds of the shamelessness so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us a protection from these these actions and in that uh, in the prayers is, is that protection so how is it then that we can uh, really perfect and, and focus in the, in the prayer? because it is so, so important? And I think that there's a lot of different, um, different ways to look at this question i, I would I would um, I would say that there are two types of distractions, uh, or two types of whispers, rather that we that we have or that we suffer from as human beings. One is the whispering of Shaitan, and we know that Shaitan is, is you know his job is to whisper and to try to bring us away from Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's also the whispering of our own self, of our own nafs, and I would say that that's related to our own attachments uh, and or or inclinations. So how do we address both kinds of whispering? Well, first let's look at the whispering of Shaitan, and let's talk about how can you tell the difference between the two types of whispering—the whispering of Shaitan and the whispering that comes from our own self and our own attachments and inclinations. Um, one of the ways to tell the difference is that Shaitan is not interested in keeping you; um, is not interested in 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 whispering the same type of again and again. Shaitan is just interested in distracting you. So when you find that as soon as you start praying so you say Allahu Akbar and as soon as you start praying you just have the randomest thoughts in your brain right like and it just keeps jumping right one random thought to another random thought and it'll be random in the sense that something you never really thought about during the day or you, it's not something you typically think about but it just comes in your prayer and then it just goes to another random thought and another random thought basically these random thoughts are pretty much um, likely to be from shaitan. Shaitan just kind of whispers something, then he whispers something else. He is al-waswas al-khanas. He whispers and then he retreats and hides. So he, he just kind of just throws out things here and there. Now, the way to address this type of whispering is, is a little bit different than how you address the whispering of the self or the whispering of the nafs. So in order to address the whispering of shaitan, we seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from, from, from shaitan. So there are a number of ways to do that. First is that there are things that you can do before your prayer and outside of your prayer that will help you reduce the whispering of shaitan overall. Um the Prophets, for example the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that there is a there is one of the athkar la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah lahul mulk wa lahul hamd wa ala kulli shay qadir the prophet said told us that if we say this this statement one hundred times in the day that we are protected from shaitan until the end of the day. And again that is La ilaha illallah, lahul lahul hamd kulli shayin qadir. Something this this simple statement when we when, when said a hundred times, the hadith tells us that we're protected from shaitan um, till the end of the day, among other rewards for saying this. But this is one way, one you know, one simple way in which we can start to try to reduce just that, that that cloud of or that smoke of the whispering of shaitan that, that, that just fills our minds and our hearts. So just doing um, that, these adhkar can help in protecting you from the whispering of shaitan. So that's something practical that you can try, that you make this a daily part of your adhkar. لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له له الملك وله الحمد وهو على كل شيء قدير And you say it 100 times. If you make this part of your daily um, dhikr, then this will be something that will protect you from the whispering, from from shaitan inshaAllah another uh, another way to, to, to kind of um, to keep yourself focused before you start the prayer is is that before you pray, Kind of get into the mindset, remove the distractions, physical distractions around you. Um, you know, um, get yourself into the the spiritual mindset. Um, you know, this is also part of you know part of the the um, the benefits of um, of sunnah prayer. Is that when you you know you pray the sunnah, and then after that you, you know, then you get into uh, the, the fard itself. And so the sunnah kind of gets you into the mindset um, and people will find that by the time they get to, someone told me that by the time they get to their sunnah after, uh you know, dhuhr. So for example, if they pray the sunnah before dhuhr, then pray dhuhr and then pray the sunnah after dhuhr. It's it's by the time they're in the, the sunnah after dhuhr that they're, they're most focused, right? And that's because, you know, you're getting into that mindset. So getting into that mindset before you begin, and you can do that, um, you know, a number of different ways. Sunnah helps you to do that. Just having a time where you're, you know, um, kind of pausing. You're not jumping right from your... Um, your previous action or your previous, uh, whatever it was you were doing before right into the prayer, but that you have sort of like, um, time to decompress or it's time to really just focus your mind and your heart. Um, you know, just sit, just, just sit in the place where you're going to pray for a little bit, get your mind focused, take out the distractions from your mind, um, from your heart and from around you. Um, try to minimize the external distractions and try to remove them from your mind. Um, that You know, that's that's another way um, you can do. You could read some Qur'an before you start to pray. Then that will also help you um, to focus, inshallah. So there are a number of things that you can do, um, you know, to, to to sort of get into that mode. Um, and then inshallah, after this, um, I'm going to take a short break. But after this next break, I'll talk about how to sort of reduce the, the whispering that then also comes from inside of ourselves or from our nafs.
1: غربا غربا
0: Assalamu alaikum. This is Yasmin Mujahid, and you are listening to Serenity, streaming live again on One Legacy Radio. Alhamdulillah, we are back um, and up. Uh, we were talking about uh, how to focus better in our prayers, and one of the uh, struggles that we have is the internal whispers as well. So we have the whispers of shaitan. We seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from shaitan. We can do things in our daily adhkar to protect ourselves from shaitan further try to focus our minds before we enter into the prayer and try to remove distractions. But there's this other type of whispering, which we also find um, come during our prayers. And we said that the whispering of Shaitan tends to be random. It's just, you know, something he'll throw at us. And, you know, if we, if we kind of ignore it, then he'll throw something else. And it just be these random thoughts, things that we, you know, never really thought about or we don't typically think about during the day, but just, you know, one, to, one thought to the next. And they're just seem to be unconnected and random. But then there's another type of whispering or another type of thought that comes to us in our prayers. And that is not random. It's something that we've actually been thinking about all day. It's something that we think about all the time. It's something we can't get we can't actually get off our minds. and that's an indication of an attachment. That's an indication that this is not just shaitan. this is my own nafs. this is my own self and my own inclination. and those types. Of whispering are actually um, may even be harder to fight because that's my own attachment, something that's so, so um, that maybe I have made too important in my life that it follows me everywhere I go. Right. I'm I'm um, trying to fall asleep it's on my mind when I wake up in the morning it's the first thing on my mind before I go to sleep it's the last thing before um, you know I, I, I fall asleep it's It's on my mind all day i'm you know I'm at work I'm walking to school I'm eating i'm um, you know I'm praying it's always on my mind and that's actually an indication of something in my life uh, whatever it is that 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 is occupying my mind that much it's an indication that that thing is occupying my heart. As well, and that it's occupying perhaps too much of my heart, and that's that's work that I need to do internally, um, in terms of that attachment and the fact that I am perhaps I am so focused on this one thing, and it could be anything. I mean, it could be my kids, it could be my husband, my my wife, my parents, my job, my my school. It could be anything. It could be money. It could be the way I look. It could be. You know, um, how much weight I think I'm gaining or, or how I, what I'm going to wear tomorrow or what this person is saying about me or the person who left me or the person who, who does or does not want to marry me. I mean, it could be anything, but those are indications of of things that we need to um we need to detach from in the sense that we are too dependent on those things and we need to refocus the heart on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and fill the heart with Allah and depend on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more and, and, and this one thing is actually may be competing with the place in my heart that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should only be. So this is actually in and of itself an indication um that, that there's work I need to do on my attachments. And that's the fact that this thing is always on my mind when I'm praying. Um so it really gives you an indication of what I need to do internally. Uh, One listener writes, how can I get better? I've lost my three twins brother at birth. I don't know how to move on. You know, when it comes to loss um, and moving on, I I think that one of the, uh, what really, really helps us uh, to make these this type of loss uh, or any kind of loss uh, easier to bear is to just remind ourselves of this very 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 deep concept uh, that we're told in the Quran and that is Inna lillahi wa inna ilaihi Allah subhanahu wa taala describes the believers in Surah Al Imran and he says Inna lillahi wa inna ilaihi this is when Allah is actually describing who are the patient ones. Um, and those, he says, are those who when calamity strikes them, they say, inna lillahi wa inna Indeed, we belong to Allah and to Allah we return. This is a very, very powerful and deep concept. Because if you realize, truly realize that everything you have only belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then when it is taken away or it is given back or taken back to the one it belongs to, it's easier to cope with. And one very simple example of that is if you let your friend borrow your car and imagine that, you know, you are a very, you're very generous and you've let your friend borrow um, your car for, for many years, in fact. And then after, say, 10 years, 15 years, you know, assuming the car is still running and everything's good with it, you go back to your friend and you now you want your car back well now if your friend has forgotten that this car always belonged to you to begin with then as soon as you go and ask for it back that's when the friend will you know the the reaction is likely to be anger it's likely to be like you know feel that this isn't this isn't fair why are you taking because because if the friend forgot that it belonged to you all along then the, the reaction would would be you know not wanting to give it back or wait why wait why are you taking it back or why are you asking for it back um, and that's because the friend has forgotten that it belonged to you but if 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 you remembered all along that this car was never yours that it was something that your friend allowed you in in their generosity but if that it's something uh, that that in 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 the generosity of the one who gave the car, um, that, you know, for many years to use it and that, but that it never actually belonged to you. And so when that car, when the owner comes and asks for it back, your response is, yes, you might be sad to part with it and you will, you will feel sadness. Um, but you realize, you realize at a very fundamental level that it's, It's just going back to the one who owns it. And then you don't have that anger, that same anger. That doesn't mean you won't feel sadness. And when we lose things in our life, we lose people close to us or we lose money or we lose, you know, we lose these things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us. And of course, of course, um, the the more that you love something, and of course, you know our children and our and our families are these are these are things we we dearly love. The more you love something, the more you know pain, potential pain, um, is caused by losing them and sadness. But ultimately, ultimately, we are able to cope by knowing inna lillahi wa inna that that this this person or this thing always belonged to Allah. And it is just going back to the one it belongs to. And and this helps us to cope. But beyond that is also realizing that I also belong to Allah, that you also belong to Allah and you also and I also will return to him. And what that means is, on the one hand, it should make us uh, cautious about how we act and how we live and for what we live for. But on the other hand, inshallah, it should also comfort us because the same place that that, that which was taken from you has returned to is the same place that you also will be returned to. And inshallah, reunited with that which you lost. قولي هذا الله لي ولكم إنه رحيم سبحانك الله وبحمدك. نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت، نستغفرك ونتوب إليك، والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله
1: وبركاته.